Gonzaga Nation SI on the Gonzaga Nation Media Network. I'm your host, Dan Dickow. We've got a special guest today, knows Gonzaga really well from a different perspective than many of the viewers and listeners of this, the WCC Commissioner, Gloria Navarez. Gloria, thank you for joining. Thank you, Dan. Well, we, you and I talked off camera really quick before we hit record, and we both kind of had an excitement that the basketball season is right around the corner. Um, you know, we as we sit here today, it's September 15th, so we've got about six weeks or so before the games uh, really kick off. But what behind-the-scenes work are you and the, and the league doing to be prepared? Well, you know, this time of year, it's all about uh, settling the schedules for our television partners and deciding what games are going to be on, um, assigning all the officials, planning our media day, and, you know, just gearing up for the season generally. So to your point, basketball season for us has started, but we're really excited about this year, especially after the strong showing we had last year. We, we just couldn't be more excited for um, men's and women's basketball this year. Well, three teams in the NCAA tournament on the men's side a, a year ago, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, it was two teams on the women's side. Correct. Um, when, when you look at growing and building off of successful seasons on the men's and women's side, what does that look like and how do you do that? Well, you know, I, and Gonzaga has been the archetype of building successful programs. I, I think last year, um, Lisa... 48 hit her 200th win, becoming the fastest coach to reach that mark at only 40 years old. I mean, talk about commitment and building and the consistency you had on the men's program with um, athletic department staff, Mike Roth, Chris Stanford, and of course, Mark Few and what you guys have built there. And so for us at the WCC, we really pride ourselves on that holistic culture and building the whole experience, both college and athletic for our student athletes. And I think it shows in the product on the floor. Well, the product was pretty dang good. Uh, unfortunately, you lose a high-level coach on the men's side at San Francisco and Todd Golden. Um, but when you as a commissioner look at the different schools in the league, you obviously have no say in who they hire. But with, with your perspective, what do you like to see in a coaching staff that's formed? So to your point, we don't hire coaches. We, we get, you know, asked for advice, opinion, or um, leads, that type of thing. But what I like to see from a commissioner's perspective and what we really have in the league right now is commitment from the top. And I mean from the presidential perspective. And that is investing in facilities, investing in coaching hires, and, and really understanding that we are chasing excellence. And I think you've seen that across the league. There hasn't been a basketball facility in the league that hasn't um, undergone substantial renovation or improvement in the last two to three years. I was going to say five. Um, but also when you look at going out for coaching searches, we are definitely shopping at the highest level of, you know, either up and coming coach or established coaches that, you know, are fit our, our mission and values in the WCC. And I would agree that so many of the schools are very aligned and a lot of it has to do with their Christian based private institutions for the most part. But um, when you have a league that's so aligned with their mission statements and then you have a team like BYU leaving the league, what's the thought process of replacing them or leaving things as is or looking for a, a partner to come in from a different league 
uh, to replace them. How difficult is that? And what are the steps? You know, it's different. This year's consideration of whether to expand or not to replace BYU or not was really a different conversation than I think I've ever experienced in my history, both the WCC now as commissioner and then previously as an associate in that we didn't want to add just to get to an even number. And admittedly, being at an even number makes scheduling a lot easier. It's clunky at nine, but we can do it. And we are in that process right now, not just in basketball, but all other sports for, you know, the 23, 24 year. But but this year, we really wanted to think about if we're going to add, let's add for strength. And right now that's defined as men's basketball teams in the NCAA tournament, because honestly, that is the economic model that the NCAA has set up for us. And one that, thanks to Gonzaga, we've been very successful at. So we held on the decision all the way through last year. We didn't make a final decision to stay at nine until June um, these past meetings, because we also wanted to see what happened with the environment and conference expansion and and what might shake out. So um, right now we're good at nine. We're going to continue to to analyze it, you know, daily, weekly as things change. I'm optimistic that the expansion in the football playoff has settled conference realignment for a minute. Um, and we can just <laughs> focus on the <laughs> academic ahead of us. But that that is how we're looking at expansion. We're good at nine right now, but you never know what the future holds. Well, this has been a topsy-turvy off season for college athletics if if there is an off season anymore but you've got usc ucla going to the big 10 there's talks of you know a couple mountain west teams going to the the pac-12 vice versa gonzaga always gets thrown in the mix of whether it's the big east whether it's the pac-10 pac-12 now when you look at it how strong do you feel your brand is to keep the league intact as it is today because as we both know it's ever-changing Absolutely. And this most conference realignment expansion has really been driven by football. And that's why I think we've been a little bit more stable in that Gonzaga's shown you can vie for a national title from the WCC. And I think we've changed our revenue distribution to reward performance. The further you go in the tournament, the more of that those uh, revenues from those NCAA units you get to keep. Um, so what I really appreciate about appreciate about the WCC and our brand in this space is basketball is our football. You get the top attention in this league. I've been in big football leagues and, you know, it, it takes a lot of bandwidth resources and attention. Whereas in our league, it's numero uno. Yeah. We mentioned the units and the dispersal Um, for, for the average listener of this show who doesn't understand what those units you're talking about are, Please share with us exactly what those NCAA tournament unit or wins are and how those get divided. So back in the day when they signed the big CBS deal for March Madness, the thought was let's reinvest some of that CBS revenue into the sport in order to continue to promote and grow it. So what they did was created a distribution based on your performance in the tournament. So every league gets a unit for every team in the tournament. So we're pretty much guaranteed one because we have an AQ and we always send at least one team. For every additional team, you get an additional unit. And the units are worth roughly about $600,000 a year over six years. So it's a substantial uh, influx. And for every game you advance, you get an additional unit. And what the WCC has done is those initial units, first teams in, those go in, fund the conference operation, and then the rest gets distributed out to schools equitably 
But the further you go in the tournament, the greater percentage you get to keep of those additional earned units. So it really is incentivizing and rewarding those teams that are advancing further into the tournament. So with the fact that there were three teams on the men's side, two on the women's last year, everybody in the league will get a piece of the pie. And the hope is from everybody's perspective is they use that money to upgrade their facilities, which sounds like every program has done over the last few years. Is Am I correct? Yes, comma, but in the <laughs> last couple of years, you know, we used to sit on a, a pretty significant reserve and distribute funds evenly to schools. The thinking was, look, that money is better spent on the campuses to invest and to your point, what you're seeing today. So we're running a little bit thinner in that schools have had that influx mm -hmm. more of the percentage goes to the schools earning those units and so after we cover our expenses at the conference office um, our schools pay dues so they're not exorbitant but you know go, gone are the days where a ton of money comes in and a ton of money goes back out that that has we're, we're operating more on a year-to-year -year cash reserve Television deals are driving so much of the conference realignment in football in particular, but you've already mentioned basketball is kind of the number one for the WCC. How do you go about um, negotiating the conference TV deals? Because years ago, the WCC was hoping to get games on ESPN outside of a few Gonzaga marquee games. Now there's a nice package with ESPN. There's a package with CBS Sports. Um, how big of a, a hand do you have in those negotiations? Um, my first year on the job, I'm now at year four and a half. Um, those agreements were expiring. So I negotiated those in my first year. And so those are locked in for about eight years um, with escalators and such. Uh, CBS has had a three year with a right to renew and they're very happy with the you know games they were getting from us. So they have renewed so we're really excited for a league of our size and scope. I think our television package reflects our basketball strength. Basketball tournament, you guys re-upped with the Orleans Arena and Casino. You know, Vegas in that March Madness Championship Week has become home for literally every basketball conference on the West Coast. How excited are you about uh, are you that you have a home for, I think it was another 10 to 12 years, if I'm not No, mistaken. it's a, there three years, but we've been there 10. So this is, I think, years 11, 12, and 13. And, you know, the Orleans has been such a great partner to us. Um, be, we were the first conference to bring our tournament to Vegas. A lot of, not a lot of people remember <laughs> that little gem. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what I love about it is become a destination. Whether your team is doing great or maybe not it's become kind of an annual pilgrimage for a lot of folks because it's just such a, a great experience a great event um and an easy travel so we're excited to continue to be there i think our new contract has helped us unlock a lot of opportunities to market and promote and do some extra things for the student athletes around the tournament coming out of covid cuts um we've revamped our ticketing so they're virtual uh electronic now so you don't have to actually exchange hard tickets so it's we're, we're hopefully we're moving it into you know the next generation of what our tournament could be yeah i remember going to uh vegas for that wcc on the first couple early years and you're right it was a few years later that the pac-12 and then the mountain west and the other schools decided to follow suit so you're, you're kind of ahead of the game with that now most conferences run a media day 
Uh, I've been to the Pac-12 one on a number of occasions. You guys are coming up in about three weeks with your media day. Um, what What's the thought and the idea behind that? Is it is there also tied in meetings with the coaches and athletic directors? It's strictly kind of put the brand of each school out there early before things really get going. That, the, the latter. Uh, we don't really have formal meetings anymore. We allow the coaches to come in, you know, chat with the media, develop the relationships, mine the stories. For us, it's a big content capture. We get the student athletes, you know, the, the things you see at our tournament on the video camera, the, that type of thing. Um, and, you know, to really try to shine a spotlight on basketball during the football season. Um and again, Vegas is such a great place. I don't know if you recall, was it two years ago, three years ago, we put Mark Few in a race car on the track and, um, you know, it was really, <laughs> there's just a lot of fun stuff to do there. So uh, we'll, we'll, you know, stay tuned for what we have planned this year. Yeah, it's been now about 13, 14 months since NIL has passed. And lots of schools are, are taking a creative approach in supporting their student athletes. Now the schools can't go about procuring the deals, but they can be supportive of them and, and give them guidelines of how to to handle it. Is there one or two student athletes in the WCC, whether it's basketball or another sport, that you feel has been knocking it out of the park as far as creativity or, or really understanding NIL and how to take advantage of it? Well, you know, I think the Drew Timmy example is probably one of the best in the league. He He might not have been coming back for this season, but for NIL opportunities. And so in that sense, I think it's been a real positive. Um, I do hope that someday we get into the space where the schools can get involved a little bit more in helping student athletes. It makes me uncomfortable to some degree to have a bunch of third parties out there with, um, I mean, student athletes certainly have advice and guidance from the schools, but, you know, that's just a lot of outside influences and you know, there have already been stories of some student athletes, not in the WCC, but that have been taken advantage of or end up signing their rights into perpetuity. And it just, Jeez. you know, yeah, it, it's getting a little wild, wild west. So I would like to see a little bit more guardrails about allowing schools to assist in that area. Yeah. See, I, I've always thought college athletes should be paid. Um, I think it's long overdue. I don't necessarily like and agree with how NIL is done. I think it puts in the college realm, it should be more team-based is my opinion, but we're in a capitalistic society. I've always felt freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, there should be an escalating salary each year with bonuses tied into team success and, or an individual accolade, like an all league team. You as a conference commissioner, I'm sure you've heard many ideas over the years. Is there one idea maybe of paying student athletes that you felt has made the most sense and you wish that they could gravitate towards that? Well, I'm not in favor of student athletes as employees. So when you say pay student athletes, it pushes us into that employer employee relationship. And frankly, I don't think that's healthy for the student athlete experience at all. Imagine being fired for not, you know, there's a lot of protection right now as a True. student athlete, if you happen to do a knucklehead decision or, or not perform. But I do believe there's a package of things that just went through the NCAA policies that allow schools to invest more in their student athletes, travel, their parents, you know, entertainment, food, things that you would normally spend your scholarship dollars on. So I think there's a, a, a different way to get to the same spot by providing more benefits to student athletes and alleviating that pressure for them to be able to, you know, 
reap the rewards of being a student athlete on a, in a successful program. Awesome. Well, Gloria, I appreciate the time. I know you have a crazy amount of things on your plate with fall sports in full swing and, and the basketball season for men and women right around the corner. So thanks for taking 15, 20 minutes of your time and uh, enjoy media day in the next couple of weeks.